0: Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports
1: Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We are doing an emergency. Do I have an emergency sound? I don't really have it. I have like i I'll do one. Okay. (laughs) Woo! Wow. Do you like it? Yeah, that's it's kind of blowing out my uh well, my audio there. You win some you lose some. It's an emergency podcast. Uh it's a live podcast. It's a Sunday podcast after a wild Pac-12 weekend, the final regular season weekend of Pac-12 football. We got to get to a lot of stuff, but we have like <laughs> huge breaking news uh that David Shaw is out at the University of Stanford. We got He stepped out he stepped out. He stepped out. Stepped down. So we had to do an emergency show. Plus, it's like we don't want to wait till like Wednesday, you know. Like this, we wanted to really talk about this. It was a very, very juicy weekend of Pac-12 football. So we got to get to that. Uh, we got to get to uh, Arizona State finding their man Kenny Dillingham, who's 21 years old, I, I believe. I, or can I just? Can I start the ball rolling? Yo, what do you want? Yeah.
0: Denny Killingham.
1: Denny. <laughs> I love it. Denny Killingham, that's great. Uh, but we're So, yes, yeah, so we're going to do a regular show where we're going to recap everything. I don't even know if we have a line for the Pac-12 championship game, but we'll talk about all that, the crazy things that had to happen to get Utah into the Pac-12 championship game. So much to get to. Uh, we want to get to all of it. If you have any questions or comments, I know we just did a show a few days ago, but we have a few questions, but you can still email us, us pac 12 podcast at gmail.com. Maybe we'll do another show before. Uh, the the, uh, conference championship game on Friday. We'll figure that out, too. But you can also call or text us at 424-532-0678. And you can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast or go to our website, Pac-12Podcast.com. I forgot to update it last week. We did put up uh, the show. We put up a content item across 24-7 Sports Network, but we didn't put it up on the blog, so I will make sure I get that one up. As well, so my, apologize for, uh, my apologies for that. You can go to Reddit. My apologies. Yeah, uh, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions to talk with other POC listeners. And of course, the main one, the big one. That's what we all care about. The Apple podcasting app. Any of the podcasting app you, you have, we'd love for you to subscribe to the show, Uh Podcast of Champions, because it's we think it's great. You probably don't, but we, we, we think it's cool. Uh We've been doing it for like six, seven years or something like now. But if you leave us a five-star rating, positive review, Negative review. Whatever. As long as you leave it with those five stars, we absolutely love it. We ask for it every single time. I don't know if we got any new ones, Dave. Since we, we have just... a new review. We do. Wow. This is from a friend of the woods. Five stars.
0: Uh, subject line, Dave does not have an echoic memory. I first started listening to this podcast for the sole reason that it was the sole podcast I could find that was dedicated to the Pac-12 and not recorded in a teenager's bedroom. <laughs> Then Ryan and Dave's personalities worked their way into my soul, and I started looking forward to wasting an hour and a half each week on their musings. Then, a few episodes back, Dave butchered the tune to the Badger, Badger, Badger song from Badger, Badger, Badger Badger.com, and I grew very angry. Now I'm just listening so that I get to hear when and how Ryan, who seems to be a nice and reasonable person, reveals his inner USC jerk. Or maybe he's just a lizard person. I don't know. Go Bruins.
1: Nice. I love it. Uh, very good one. Thank you for that. Um he loved the Badger, 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 I guess. You
0: know? He did not love my um send up, my, my my ability to recount the tune, apparently. No.
1: Um that's good. I don't know where I failed. We have some comments about your uh your your that was a cat in heat. My um, uh, my emergency noise? Yeah. Yeah I, I don't so. like, yeah. I was going for a cat in heat. Uh
0: can 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 we get some motherfucking likes in here? Yeah, we need some likes. There are eighty five people watching this and we have eleven likes. Come on. Come on. Smash. We're going to actually turn this thing off if you, if you don't start hitting
1: the like button. Hit that. And if you haven't subscribed, hit that too. Yeah. All right? Subscribe. But the little uh, There's a little notification there that'll like let you know when we go live. You should do that too because you want to be bothered whenever we decide to. Whenever we get bothered to do the show, you would really want to know. Be notified on your phone. Hey, POC, they just decided to do a live show. So jump in there uh, and do all that. We, since we just did a show, you know, we just what did, we do, did our show Thursday or did we do it Friday? I forget which day we did. but um, It was Wednesday. Was it Wednesday we did the show? It was Wednesday because we, Thursday was Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. So we did it right before Thanksgiving. That's or Did correct. we do it after? No, we did it before. Um, yeah. We got the 75% sale going on still at 24-7 Sports. So I think it ends tomorrow. So make sure you jump in there. The uh, Black Friday sale. Uh, yeah. If you're a fan of any of these teams, it's crazy stuff happening all across the Pac-12. Crazy. Pets' heads falling off. We got coaches being... Walking away, coaches being hired, people making bowl games, half the damn conference winning nine games. There's a lot of good stuff going on. So whoever your local provider is, or you're at the school of your choice, make sure you get in. If you're not a subscriber, get in there 75% off. Uh, I don't get a percentage from just, you know, when you go buy Beaver Blitz subscription, it doesn't help me at all, but it helps Angie. That helps me because I like Angie. So we want to do that. A A rising tide lifts all boats. And what is the Pac-12 if not a rising tide? Right. That we will be abandoning in about a year. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Not we're abandoning. We're gonna still do, We're still doing the show. Like, even if the we're schools we are gone. Uh, we're going down with this ship, baby. Yeah. Uh, we will definitely go down with that. Uh, we'll get to some other kind of... Um, I don't know. Should we just... Well, let's jump into David Shaw. We can get to some of the other let's stuff. Let's
0: for- jump in
1: to David Shaw. Yeah. Uh, big time. Uh, David Shaw. The man who... If you don't if you don't follow Pac-12 football, think of David Shaw as like the the young innovative guy that pushes the limits mathematically. Yeah, any kind of small. He, he edge. definitely does
0: push the limits of what is acceptable math. <laughs> that is certainly something he does. Uh, David Shaw yesterday, um, not yesterday, early this morning actually, yeah. um, after the BYU game, which ended sometime I don't know after eleven thirty. Um, in the post game press conference, announced uh, kind of a shocker to everyone that he's done at Stanford. Um, he's it's being characterized as a resignation. Um, they did go three and nine this year. Uh, they went three and nine last year. They've been very bad for a very long time now. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of mutual pressure there. But he's resigning. Um, as we've said on this show, uh, he should he should no longer be coaching at Stanford. Um, he's clearly the game, uh, the, the surrounding elements of the game and everything involved with being a college football head coach has passed him by and he has no interest in catching up to that moving train as it continues to pass him by. So, um, this is good for Stanford. Uh, I think if you're a Stanford fan, you have to be happy about it. Now, if you want to, you know, if you want to be fair to David Shaw, um, he first five years as the head coach at Stanford, I would say he was the best or second best or third best coach in the league. And then uh, the game changed and he didn't. And he was one of the worst coaches in the league the last four or five years. And that's his legacy.
1: Uh, I think that's fair. I mean, he was the Pac-12 coach of the year. uh one, two, three, four. Four times. Yeah. Pac-12 coach of the year. Uh, Winning as coach in Stanford History. This was really weird when I was like, I got back from the Coliseum and you're kind of doing your work. And it was in the midnight. It was midnight range, right? It was after midnight, maybe, when this started to break. Was it after? Yeah, that? if
0: you'd listened to anything I just said, I, I know, have, but
1: I would have shared this with you. I know, but I was like trying to think of like exact timing of when this started It was after
0: midnight. On. He leads off the press conference by looking at his watch and saying, Good morning. <laughs> That's how. That's how good David Shaw is.
1: He's uh, pretty good. Um, so this, yeah, and we'll get to what happened. Uh, but he put out there's some of the statements um, that they were, you know, that he um, expressed uh, this morning. I guess you could say there were some interesting ones. And I, I'll read you a little bit. He said, "This program is in a better position than it looks." False. Like you mentioned, three and nine. In the last two years, the transfer portal will, will be very, very enticing to a lot of people. There are programs that are already illegally. Backdoor recruiting, have been doing it for months. I hope a lot of these guys stay. We'll have guys leave for the NFL. We'll have guys graduate. We'll have a couple of the older guys make other decisions. But I think the core of this football team can be very, very good. Can be very good. You saw a lot of them playing out there this year. Some as true freshmen. That's so bizarre. True freshmen, never playing college football. Uh, Some as sophomores. A lot of really good football players. Excited to see what they can do in the future. Excited about the conversations that we've had on our campus and our administration. Uh, and he kind of goes on and on and on there, but he said, we've talked about NAL. We've talked about a lot of things working, uh, to continue to improve our game day experience here at Stanford. Proud of these things. Um, these initiatives, proud of the guys. Uh, we're not that far away. I'm still saying we, we are not that far away. He says that being said, as right now, there's no desire for me to coach another team. It's not what this is about. I'm going to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, he said he was very grateful for Stanford, the community and all that. Um, just walking around the building. Our building is a Hall of Fame. We've got Hall of Fame coaches in every sport, left and right. It's just so exciting to be with that group. I appreciate the group. I appreciate my family for putting up with this ridiculous profession. Um, And uh, he was asked about the final straw, like, you know, what pushed you over the edge? And he says he didn't accept the premise of that question. There's no final straw. Um, You know, he doesn't make things up when he comes to the podium. He's just trying to tell you the truth is what he was saying. He says, a week ago, I wasn't here off season plans, what we we're doing. We were going recruiting uh, and how we're going forward. Really, it was less than a week. And as I sat before Thanksgiving, he prayed about it, thought about it and talked to his wife. And, uh, and he said it cemented his head. Um, he just, he saw it was time. So um, he says, it's been great. It's been a great run. A lot of people that think our program is down. Um, that's what our record says. But look at the components. I look at the people here. The support that I'm hearing coming out of the athletic director from our university president, the people that are behind the scenes, we're not that far away, David Woods. Uh, but once again, a week, 10 days ago, I was gung-ho to be the person to lead us there. And over the last few days, I realized it was time. It was time for me to step aside. Time for the next uh, group to come in and hopefully do whoever they hire next wins more games than I do. That would be awesome. I would love that. Um, so, some Well, of it won't stuff be with, hard to do that. I was going <laughs> to say, that's not that hard because but, Stanford has won six
0: games in the last two years combined yeah um so that won't be that won't be that difficult uh I mean it's a lot of apologia a lot of uh you know explaining like explaining with not explaining that it's not his fault that it's you know all the circumstances or it's almost like we're
1: not that it's like we're not that far away we're we're, we're super far away buddy yeah I, like yeah the record's a record like you're three well, and, nine. And,
0: and Stanford is you know I, I think there's probably more room to do the transfer portal than he has done but it's still like not any a, room yeah but it's still not um what other schools can do with reloading so Stanford is go, like just naturally further away than any program at any given moment if they're down because they can't um reload as quickly. Uh, now, the next fit at Stanford, I think, is the much more interesting question, um, mm. which is you know, a lot of people have bandied about Chris Peterson, which sounds right. Mm. I think they're yet another Pac 12 program who, you know, Cal doesn't seem like it's going to open, but Jim Morris sweepstakes, baby. Mm. i mean i know color and we'll get to colorado what they've done of late um but i know colorado was talked about as potential destination for my 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 former my, my birthday buddy jim mora but stanford i think that could be a fit too you know he's dealt with academic requirements at ucla stanford's a cut above that but it's still you know he's he's recruited within those bounds before yeah um I don't think Stanford is a horrible job, um, and I think David no. Shaw has made it seem like one for the last four or five years. Um, <laughs> but there is a way to recruit there that actually, Stanford back in the day, they won a lot of recruiting battles because the academic cachet matters to parents in a huge way. Mm. Um, like if parents can play, if they if their kids can play high level football and get a Stanford degree in an education, that's hard to beat. I mean, Stanford won head to heads with USC in recruiting. Oh, yeah. No, we would
1: cover those guys. And if it was like, hey, man, there's like, I'm just going to go to Stanford, you know, and and they were usually good then, too. So it's kind of, it's a little more difficult now when they're, yeah, but they need
0: to be good. But
1: if you get the
0: right guy in there who's actually like really competitive on the recruiting trail and you add everything else in, they can pitch some stuff and actually quickly turn this around recruiting wise. And then in a two or three year span, have them pretty good again. Um, hmm. so I think it's not that far off from that perspective where if they add a bunch of guys, but the current roster sucks and, and obviously the coaching staff is abysmal.
1: Yeah. Um, there was, there might look be some confusion. Steven says there's people waiting on the inside Troy channel. I do have a live show, but that'll be tonight, uh, at 7 PM. So I put that out there. Hopefully I scheduled it for the right time, but this one looks like it was scheduled for 2 PM. I think this one's normal. So the POC people should be here. So, uh, my apologies if, uh, there was something wrong with that, but just tell you know, go over there. If you're if you're on the Inside Troy channel, tell them come over to POC channel. That's where we are right now. Um and if I put something wrong, my apologies again. Um I yeah. apologize. I, I think Jermora would would leave Connecticut in a heartbeat.
0: Uh, yeah. I can't it's Connecticut. Why would anybody stay at Connecticut?
1: Mm, I don't know. So that would be a good one. But you know, Chris Chris Peterson, so um oh crap. I think uh I might have to fix the inside Troy one. Okay. Uh, I will,
0: <laughs> well, we're, we're currently inside David Shaw.
1: We're inside David Shaw. Uh, perfect. I let yeah, someone kind of put that up there and stuff too. So, but that was the big news. Um, you know, David Shaw going there. We also have some other, um, you know, breaking news. Uh, the young man's coming home, um, within hours after we don't want to spoil it, but the, uh, the civil war, uh, ended, we find out. Kenny Dillingham, 32 years old, youngest head coach in the FBS. Arizona State guy is going to Tempe to take over the mess that Herman Edwards left. Uh, won the press. I had a press conference this morning, Sunday morning. And uh, if you follow along with Chris Cartman, he won it. Um, he told a reporter to ask him about Sean Aguro, right? Uh-huh. If we could be retained. He said, Ask me if he's going to be retained. He's going to be retained. Um, that was kind of cool. So, But apparently, it's great. You want to win the press conference, and uh, he apparently did that. But uh, what do you think about the move for Arizona State?
0: I think it was the obvious move, and I think it was a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, people. I, I said I think this hire is great on Twitter, and people thought I was joking. I, I really do. Um, I think. Yeah. Is there? A, there's downside. Is there downside potential with hiring an alum and an unknown who's really only you know only fully coordinated one year? Yeah. But you know what else? There's downside with any hire. Any head coaching hire, no matter who it is, unless it's Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or, you know, well, and Urban Meyer's got his own downsides. Um, but any of these guys, they're, they're even if they were a proven commodity before, there's no guarantee they're going to be a fit and make sense and all that other stuff. You already know that this guy gets Tempe, that he understands how to recruit at ASU, that he understands, you know, all the the recruiting angles with the high school coaches. You saw him walking into his press conference, he was greeting those high school coaches like old friends. Uh, He knows these guys. I think he's going to recruit Arizona better than probably any head coach they've had in many, many moons. Um, And he's a, you know, an energetic guy who I think is going to hit the recruiting trail hard in California as well. Um, And like, this is not to be discounted. That offense rocks Um, Oregon's offense, even with a really hobbled bow Nicks, put up, what did they score against Oregon state? 35. What did it end up being? 34? Uh, 34 against Oregon State with a hobbled bow Oregon State is good. Their defense is really good. Um, that game was not lost on the offensive end. It was lost on special teams. Um, but he's a really good offensive mind. Um, I think uh, Land Danning did a great job hiring him. And I think this is good identification. Now, I don't buy that Ray Anderson had a whole lot to do with this, um, signed the checks or whatever. But this seemed like it was an obvious inertial move. Like this needed to happen. Probably a groundswell among ASU people to make this happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think it's as close to uh, yeah, yeah. This is what needed to happen. This is the obvious hire. Good job, ASU.
1: No, I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you need. I mean, you had the The grandpa there, you know, you need, you got pretty much go the opposite, right? I mean, you have to get yeah. the young energy. <clears throat> he's got young energy. A lot of it, ageism here from Ryan, uh, apparently, but you need that. You need some young energy there. Damn. Um, and he showed some maturity being the offensive coordinator for the ducks this year. Um, they, like you said, uh, you know, you had Bo Nix who, you know, had a rough road and now he's, you know, you basically rebuilt his um, credibility and uh, people think a lot differently of Bo than they would have if he just left Auburn last year and where he is now. So, um, yeah, I think it helps a lot. Uh, you know, I I don't think it had anything to do with what, you know, the Ducks did. We'll talk about what the Ducks did uh, yesterday. But, um, you know, I, if, a, if a young coach like that gets an opportunity to be a head coach, I think that's great. Um, I'm curious to see what the power dynamic above him is. I'm curious to see what the NCAA comes down and says uh you know they could hit ASU with sanctions is Ray Anderson like was he really a big part of this hire or was it more people behind the scenes and then Ray Anderson's going to be out next and they already have their head coach and I'm I'm curious to see how that all kind of plays out but um as the way the way it's going now I think you just needed something positive you need you needed something to kind of here's hope you know we need some hope and uh you got it I think with uh Kenny Dillingham
0: yeah, and um, I think he's going to immediately pay dividends. Um, I think he'll be probably active in the transfer portal. I, I think
1: – He said he was going to crush the transfer portal or something like that. I forget the quote, but he said – But I would guess – We're going to attack the and transfer And it already portal.
0: sounds like they're getting NIL commitments from boosters to, yes. um, to make their fund pretty good. But I, I would say um, big priority is a quarterback. You know, Get a quarterback. Um, get somebody who can run his system. I don't think Trenton Bourget is the guy to run his system. Uh, but get somebody who's got some wheels – Um, and I think given what he showed with Bo Nix, I would have to imagine ASU is going to be an attractive destination for, um, a transfer quarterback.
1: Yeah, no, I think it would be too. Um, the game is changing and I feel like ASU sort of, I don't know, like the, the, the way culture pot was going was sort of this way and you're following this path and that, you know, there was a deviation and you sort of went even the other way and just sort of like, we're going to do it this way. We're going to like old CEO type and just, you know, and it was just like completely the opposite of like the, the trend of where college oh, what yeah. was going. And now you're trying to get back onto that trend, which uh, makes a lot of sense. So um happy for our, our guy, Chris Cartman. I think they're going to be killing the coverage over there. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, what, what Colorado does and Adam Munster tiger and those guys. Oh yeah! And,
0: and, if you have not signed up, if you're an ASU fan listening to this, and you have not signed up for Sun Devil Source, you need to get on that. Get on it. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna guess at something here. But Kenny Dillingham's a 32 year old guy who's already been on staff in an assistant role, and um, Cartman's been covering the team for basically his entire career at ASU. Uh, so, if you have ever wondered if a, <laughs> if one of these reporters <laughs> might have an in with a head coach,
1: it's probably it's probably
0: that guy. So uh, if you want the inside scoop. On uh, everything ASU, you get your butt over to Sun Devil Source.
1: For sure. And uh, and follow along in the uh, Colorado coaching search, uh, Buff Stampede for sure, with uh, our buddy Adam. So, um, Adam Munster Tiger. Yes. And here's the crushing things. There's
0: a big piece of news there.
1: Oh, Dave they've, uh, they've Plotty, right? The, their SID is retiring. No. Oh, what was the big piece of news? Sorry.
0: Deion Sanders was offered the job at Colorado.
1: Oh, I didn't see that
0: yes very yes. cool he was offered the job three days ago uh who, who
1: reported that i think initially
0: um monster tiger was putting it out there on the board nice uh, but then it's been confirmed by a variety of other sources um so that would be interesting um that'd be i, I i'm i'm in love with that if colorado somehow lands deon sanders as their head coach i think that would be awesome i think he'd recruit the hell out of that job um he's had a lot of success at jackson state um
1: that's a tough one to take, man. If you're, it Deion, would be a
0: tough one to take. I don't know if you sit around and wait a little bit longer. Um, yeah, but that's it, just like
1: I want a do you want I want a power five job like pretty yeah. much.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be what could it is. you get other ones, but that man. would be what it is is like getting the staff money, getting all that stuff that you can't really get at the uh, HBCU. Um, yeah. But that would be that would be interesting. That would certainly um, add some just like watchability factor to Colorado. Um, and they yeah. Need, they oh need, my God. And yeah. they also
1: just need some juice on the recruiting trail. Again, young energy, you need that. I mean, not. I mean, that that'd be great. There was other like coaches like Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. That's pretty nuts. Uh, Matt Rule jumping in and going to Nebraska. We still got to see what Auburn's going to do. There's
0: another big piece of breaking news.
1: Another. Be- uh.
0: This is the biggest piece of breaking news we have here on this show. It is crap. Michael Mothershed.
1: Oh yes.
0: Has refereed his last game in the Pac twelve. Oh my God. When I heard this
1: on the broadcast. He painted a masterpiece for your, your Friday game. <laughs> he really did. It was his was like his <laughs> chapel. Like, he, was, he dropped the, the He was drawing in crayon brush. all over <laughs> that goddamn thing. And it
0: was incredible. Absolutely uh just annihilating um to watch that um just it was it was truly otherworldly uh we're gonna miss him uh you know you never thought somebody could uh eclipse classes ref right you never Mm, thought somebody could be could say oh wow no no that guy i'm gonna make my explanations of plays more opaque i'm going to fuck up basic administration of the game in more avant-garde ways and then michael mothershed he
1: emerged. Like yeah. from a cocoon. Someone and, needs to make a his Twitter handle or something. Yes, yes. You could do that. Yeah, maybe. mother shedding. Um
0: <laughs> anyway, it it's a, it's a sad time, obviously, for all of us. Mm. Um, but
1: uh we'll get past it together as we always do. We do. Uh that's a that's a big one. Uh we had a question from Touchdown USC. Any ducks assistance following Dillingham to ASU? I haven't heard yet. The only thing I heard was that he was, you know, uh keeping Aguero on staff, so yeah, you heard anything on that or I don't know. Isn't it iguano? Iguano. I'm sorry, did I say the wrong? I said the wrong thing. Yeah, my bad. It's okay. My apologies. Well,
0: I think it would be cool if it was iguaro because his first initial is S, so it would be saguaro. saguaro because that would be very Arizona. That that sounds
1: Yeah, it sounds very Arizona. Yeah, that, he should change his name to iguaro, Sean aguaro I'm in. I like it. All right. Uh, okay. What else? So we Get have the. It. So we are, because we're doing this early, we don't know what the college football rankings are yet, football playoff rankings are, but we do have the AP poll. We have six Pac-12 teams in the top 17 of the AP poll. Uh, USC 4, Washington 9, Utah 12, Oregon 15, Oregon State 16, which they just played, which is weird, and uh, UCLA 17. So boom, 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 right in a row. Uh, you love AP polls. Any thoughts on that?
0: My only thought is Oregon yeah. State. That's ridiculous. That they're still behind Oregon. And then also um, if JT Daniels had ended up in Corvallis this offseason, they would be in the playoff contention.
1: JT Daniels got benched, though, but I guess there's their quarterback play has been so bad. Yeah, we did have someone that wanted uh, uh, Tanner McKee to transfer to Oregon State. I don't think you want Tanner McKee. No. I mean, with him with a good offensive line in a run game would be kind of interesting
0: he's kind of a statue. I haven't been impressed with him, even like if you distance him from what that offense actually is. Like he's yeah. missing throws in a way that you wouldn't really anticipate from an NFL guy. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know. I think he looks further away than he did a year ago. And yeah, that's probably a testament to the bad development there, but I don't know. He's more of a reclamation project. Um, and Jonathan Smith is obviously a little bit of a quarterback whisperer. He's turned Ben Golbranson into like a semi credible Pac-12 quarterback, but yeah, I, I think. They should set their sights higher if they're going in the portal.
1: I think so. Um, just get you know try to get somebody good there. We uh, if you haven't sent in, so now we know who's in the Pac-12 championship game: USC and Utah. So we want to know the winner, and we want to know uh, the total score. I did get an email from Ryan. Um, the winner, he wants me to be now called the other Ryan for the rest of the show, since okay, other Ryan, he, he beat me in uh, the survival pool stuff. Um. He also pointed out that George Klyavkov only has one like on his Twitter account, like only liked one post and it's kind of a weird, weird one. So you can go check that out uh, if you want, but um, I'll read you his email if that's okay. Cause he won. So I give him that and we're going to send him a jockey gift card. I'm disappointed that David and his disciples didn't have the vision to pick against Cal on the road at Colorado. They should have recognized that somebody was going to need to quote, steal a possession in the quote, pick against Colorado game. Dave was playing to avoid this doomed 10-plus person tie and that Cal was the best bet. But maybe they, unlike me, had not been going to Cal games from from birth with season ticket-holding parents and had not been given the opportunity to fully contemplate Cal's road ineptitude. David Shaw-like conservatism was never going to win outright in a competitive contest like this, and he led the people astray by playing for overtime. I'm glad Matthew asked for his picks to be censored before he could do more harm. But also pass along my thanks to Matthew from Mountain View for running the pool. I grew up one town over from Mountain View, and he played volleyball against both MVHS and St. Francis. And I was also at Big Game having a different experience to this. He did a great job, and I appreciated the detail he put into the sheets. Go Bears, go Bruins. Thanks for the pod, Ryan. Uh, but thanks. Congrats, Ryan. You won, and uh, that's awesome.
0: Yes. And if anyone else – I
1: think we got one email so far – So podcast at gmail.com of the tiebreaker. So if you were in the tiebreaker of the, I think it was 10 people, um, make sure you uh, send those in. Tremendous. And uh, that would be be wonderful. We would appreciate uh, that very much. Um, We mentioned that the title game is going to be Friday, uh, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I will be there. David will not. But we will have a POC, at least half a POC meetup, uh, park MGM is the media hotel. So we're going to do one of the bars there. I'll put it up on Twitter and stuff, but there's just think playing on Thursday night. If you want to come out and, uh, and meet me and other POC listeners, probably a lot of Utes fans and USC fans. So make sure you kind of come out there and we'll have some drinks and, uh, should be a lot of fun. So come out there. And just so you know, like the way this had to happen, um, we knew on Friday night that Washington was out cause it was a three-way Potential, you know, there was three teams that could get in. Um, The Utes needed a bunch of help. They had an easy game in Colorado, but they needed UCLA to beat Cal. That happened Friday night. Oregon State had to beat Oregon. That happened in dramatic fashion. We'll get into that. And then Washington, the double whammy, not only beat Oregon, but now they beat Washington State, and that sent Oregon packing and Utah to the Pac-12 championship game. It actually gives Washington a chance to make the Rose Bowl if USC ends up going to the playoff. They'd be the highest ranked team in that case, but a lot of weird things had to happen. Dave, I tweeted out like Washington kind of got Oregon twice by beating them and then also beating Washington. And some I one of the other Pac 12 podcasts got really mad at me, said delete the account. Do you do you know what that was about? I don't even understand.
0: I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I saw the same thing.
1: Um Did I do something wrong there? I don't I I, I, I don't know. I, I truly don't. Maybe I don't understand. I
0: feel like there's like an opacity and sometimes an insularity to Pac-12 uh, uh, Twitter and the people mm-hmm. on it. Um, as if they're all like, they've got like one in-joke.
1: And who knows?
0: Sometimes we don't get it. We're old. So. I,
1: I'm an old. Like, I I really felt this was an old. It said like, hashtag delete your account. And I was just like, all I said was like that Washington beat, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I think it was Washington and Oregon State teamed up. Right. Yeah. So yeah. they teamed up to knock Oregon out of the Pac-12 championship, which know. they did. And I, I don't know. It wasn't, and I don't think any of them are Oregon fans, so I'm not sure why that would be. I don't know. Uh, but I just, if there's any non-olds out there that can explain to me what I did wrong, please,
0: non-olds, help Ryan.
1: Let me know. Um, yeah, uh, our, our buddy John Wilner tweeted out, Dave, that, uh, or he wrote in his column, we have six Pac-12 teams with nine victories. So the first time that's happened since 2014. So pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting league because you have. um Three of the, like, historically worst versions of programs ever in Colorado, Stanford, and ASU. Yeah. And then you've got six good teams. Like, legitimately, these are good teams um, who, you know, at various points in the year, looked like contenders for the league title. Yeah. Very interesting league this
1: year. It's much better. Like, this is way better than parody. I think. You know, like, you're down in the bottom fire coach, get a new one and try to get back up. You're like, Hey, Jed fish. They were terrible. Like, Oh, now they're five and seven. Like they're climbing up the ladder. Like I'd rather have a bunch of good teams and some shit teams, you know, and just, and kind of work it that way and work your way back up. Um, Instead of like, Oh, it's great when the worst team in the league beats the best team in the league. And then the, you know, like that, that doesn't help us. Um, So yeah, I love that stuff. We got a whole bunch of people in the chat. Smash that like button, please. Um, I want to let us know too. And uh, you know, I'm gonna give David props. He had a monster week. Pick we both had a really good week. Um, monst- I missed perfection by two points. Craziness. Yeah. Um, so we had seven games against the spread. Uh, I went over for two on Friday and then five and zero yesterday. And Dave went one and one Friday and five and zero yesterday. We only had the one game differently. I picked UCLA. He picked Cal. And uh, and UCLA didn't cover the ten that we had out there. And we both you know just missed the territorial cup by a little bit. That was a weird one. Um, that four point spread or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it was a really good week. And I, it was funny. I told David off, off the air, like, um, want to thank our sponsor, my bookie, cause they've done a great job and I've had so much fun betting, uh, all the lines and everything, um, you know, throughout the PAC 12 season, we'll continue doing it through, um, the, uh, conference championship and, and all the bowl games and everything, but, you know, sometimes you got to get lucky. I forgot to, to log into my bookie and put in my picks uh, for Friday. So my 0 and 2 t- picks didn't get, I didn't bet them. And I bet all of my Friday, my Saturday picks. Plus, I did a, a three team parlay and got them all. So that was great. But if you go over to my bookie, use promo code PAC12 and they will match your first deposit, uh, 50% of your first deposit up there. So get extra money when you put it in there. You want to bet the championship game? A bunch of NFL stuff coming up. Of course, they have a whole, you know, with the holidays, they have all these kind of deals and specials and stuff going on over at my bookie. You can play a little blackjack, whatever you want to do, but use the promo code PAC twelve and that will get you uh, your deposit, half your deposit matched uh, by my bookie. Uh, it's great. Go over in there, check it out. We're gonna keep betting. We'll have the championship game and then all the different bowl games. So we'll kind of go through uh, with that. So I, so I'm now two games behind. David, I was one, and this one was two. But our records are really good. I mean, I'm ten games above 500. You are 14 games above 500. So, crushing it this year. This is really good. We're gonna keep going. Uh, I still can. I still haven't cashed my Arizona State under six and a half wins. So, I'm do, I'm really happy with uh, my book my bookie account this this year. I had a couple of rough weeks before, but I really kind of brought it this week. A little bit lucky, David, because I didn't bet the Friday games, but that uh, worked out pretty good. I'm proud of you. Hey, man, we do what we can. Uh, did you even look at the? I changed the Pac-12 rankings a little bit. Our power rankings. Do you? Do you want?
0: I haven't to, looked at them, but I can look at them right now. Uh, anything you stand are, out to you? Don't like? Um, yeah, I don't like uh, you doing the same dumb thing that the AP voters did.
1: Oh, did I do that? Yeah. Oh, switch it. Okay. Put them up there. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, that's true. We just saw it. Otherwise, uh, it's fine. Nice. Um we do have like the six ranked teams that are at the top and uh, I think we have our who's the best of the non um
0: Yeah, we've got what we have is it's six teams that are good, two yeah. teams that are fine, and then four teams that are bad. Yeah. And that's what the league is this year.
1: And we've seen I mean even the bad teams we've seen like a game or two that they've actually looked competent. Um maybe one team only one game that looked competent, but uh, we'll get to all that stuff, but um, you know, it, it was a it was a battle all season. I mean, there was we've had some bad teams, David, uh, bad teams in this uh-huh. conference. Who oh, was yeah. going to be twelve? Like, who was going to end the season in the twelfth spot? Because people were fighting. Like, this was
0: this was competitive until the final weeks, and then and then. Then one team really pulled ahead.
1: It's kind of like, yeah, like you you put the rocket boosters on, like uh-huh. you're like there were, you know, were, there was like a pinewood derby. They're kind of going down uh-huh. the hill, and then somebody had a jetpack attached yeah, yeah. to their little no, wooden they, car. It, it just went. They whew, went whew. rocket
0: boosters the right. last few weeks. The the level of suck was just out of control. <laughs> you
1: can only tip your cap. But our number twelve team and one of the greatest. Worst teams in Pac-12 history. One of the
0: truly most uh, disgusting uh, versions of a football team we've ever seen.
1: Yeah. Our number 12 team. Colorado Buffalo. And I guess you could say they showed up. Uh, This was at home. Spread that was under 30 points for Mm -hmm. some inexplicable reason. Uh, Taking on the number 14 team. Utah Utes number two in our power rankings
0: yeah uh Utah absolutely could have picked its score in this game and if Utah had not pulled its starters at halftime literally at halftime they might have scored 100 um just an absolute just I don't even have a good word for it just a flattening of Colorado this was 42 nothing at half um and the only reason was like a little bit of glitchiness early from utah um but otherwise i mean it was just disaster play from colorado i think they had glitchiness six, it
1: was 42 nothing what was the where was the glitch they they punted <laughs> the, they, they, they punted once oh um
0: and they turned it over on downs once
1: we should drop them to
0: 3 and that's record. what i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying like they had two drives where they didn't score in that first half wow um Colorado at one point, I, I think I tweeted it out, at one point in the in the middle of the second quarter, they had six total yards of offense, and Utah had, I think, 280. Um, and it, it wasn't like it got a whole lot better from there. Uh, it finished looking a lot better because the it wasn't even just the second string, like the third string Utah defense was out there after a little while. But Colorado was still under 200 yards. Um, they started something called the Maddox Cop in this game at quarterback. Never heard of this guy. The what? Their quarterback, a Maddox cop. Don't that's know. A,
1: that's not a meme? Like, that's a thing? No,
0: that's a real thing. It's um, a human? And, and they've started so many quarterbacks this year, you might be thinking, oh, wow, we've seen this guy before. No, he's a new one. <laughs> he's a new character in the uh, in the cast of Colorado's football season. Is that when like, like
1: you know, the the sitcom is, like, just tanking in the ratings, yeah. and they need to bring in, like, oh, here's the, the long-lost little cousin yeah, that's yeah. going to, like, and, the cute kid. And he was in. really bad, too. I mean, mm-hmm. a, as
0: are all Colorado quarterbacks, but he was really bad, too um and yeah i mean it was was a horrible horrible offensive effort um utah when the starters were in cam rising missed two passes two and two passes in the entire game should cut them um they ran the ball for almost 400 yards uh they they won 63 21 um it could have been 63 nothing it could have been 70 nothing it could have been 77 nothing if they had decided to keep their starters in uh bryson barnes came in and literally threw a a pick on his first throw that was his only incompletion in the game and he completed it to a colorado player <laughs> uh in the third quarter um i just uh, colorado impressive just an how, impressive football team
1: how was this line so colorado hadn't covered 30 point spreads was it th- i think it was three weeks in a row and then they dropped the spread to 29 and a
0: half made absolutely no sense colorado is back to doing what it was at the beginning of the year which is losing to spreads by, like, double digits yeah. every single like week.
1: The spread, like, the spread to beat the spread or lose the spread was, was double digits.
0: Somebody, If somebody can, like, do the math, because I'm not going to have the energy to do it, but, like, what was Colorado's, like, score differential versus the spread this year? It would be pretty bad, yeah. I think the total differential probably approached, like, 80 or 90 points. It's <sighs> but, incredible how bad they were. But this was
1: pretty easy. So when I was picking the my parlay, I'm like, this was, like, the first thing I put in there. I'm like, how— How? Like, I I guess maybe Utah doesn't show up or something, and they don't whatever. But, like you said, 42 nothing at half. And I was just like, why am I going to take any notes on this game? Like, this is just ridiculous. Uh, 662 yards for Utah. 185 big ones for Colorado. Uh, Triple digits. Almost all
0: of them second half.
1: Almost all of them. Yeah.
0: Like, they had, I think, 20 yards in the first half.
1: Cam Rising, uh, 89.4%. It's the best completion percentage on record for a Utah quarterback. So uh, this season, you know how many games, you know, I'm I'm an old, I don't remember how many games people play in a typical college football year. Do you remember offhand, like 12, 13, 12. 12. Well, they lost 10 of those 12 by 23 or more points. Oh, 10 of the losses by 23. Is that bad? That's Uh, they started this game four straight three-and-outs. Like, literally, you get the ball four times, three-and-out, 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 three-and-out. Not like punt, 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 but all three-and-outs. They were one, and tw- one for 12 on third down for the game. Like, what do you want to know about? They're just bad. So yeah. this was like beat the dead horse, whatever. Like I, like you said, Colorado could have picked, I mean, Utah could have picked the score. The easiest cover maybe we've had all year. I yeah,
0: could have, it couldn't have been easier.
1: If you're listening to another Pac-12 show and they said, that's a lot of points, Colorado's at home, like never listen to that show again because they, they've they never watched this conference. They don't know what the hell they're talking about, I would say. Exactly. I feel pretty confident about that. Okay, uh, we mentioned this team a little bit already. Number 11, Stanford Cardinal. Uh, they,
0: they're close, <laughs> what they, I heard. They were not close. Uh, They took on the BYU Cougars. Um, All right, so this is a classic game because you look at the final score and you're like, oh, Stanford played a competitive football game. No. They did not. No, No, sir, they did not. Uh, This game was 35-12 heading into, I think it was the fourth quarter. Yeah, so heading into the fourth quarter, uh, this was 35-12 with uh, 12-48 to go in the fourth. And then Stanford does what Stanford does this year, which is put a bunch of lipstick on the pig. Uh, they scored two fourth-quarter touchdowns to make this look semi-respectable. It wasn't. Stanford's they're, horrible. They're close. Um, so far away from being a good quality team. They have freshmen that play. This is not a good BYU team. They've had a lot of issues this year. They ran for
1: 360 yards in this game. They won their last, like, Four games or something, but they they had a I think maybe they had like a four game losing streak and then they won the last three or something. Yeah, like they're that.
0: not they're not super good. They're they're not. But what they're BYU, like a bowl team. Yeah, but, yeah. But they're not what BYU was the last couple of years. Like this isn't a team that should like just come in and dominate a Pac twelve team. They came in and
1: dominated this team. I definitely heard. It might have been our friends over like Pac twelve radio, and they were like, is really bad." Stamp there's going to be a good spot for Stamper, and I was like. Again. I don't think like that what are
0: we watching? What are we watching guys? <laughs> You've seen Stanford. Stanford if Colorado didn't exist would be the clear-cut worst team in the Pac-12. They're really 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 bad. They're bad bad bad. Yeah. Very very bad. Um they can't score. I mean if, if if again, if BYU had just kept pouring it on, this would've been yet another game where Stanford doesn't score over 20. Yeah. Um they did, but uh, yeah, no, Stanford's horrible. David Shaw should have been fired or resigned or whatever ended up happening.
1: So all is well, but they're horrible. Really bad football team. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, So remember the – I think we got a jinx thing going on. Do you remember the call we got from the Zodiac Killer Uh about perfection? Uh Uh-huh. Did he miss? Not a field goal. Maybe he did later, but early in the game. So break – hold on. First of all, Stanford scored a touchdown, so that's breaking news. He missed an extra point. They got a false start on the extra on the PAT. There will be
0: there will be no cardi in the USA. No cardi in
1: the USA. Um, oh my God! Yeah, the Zodiac Killer. False start. I think the Zodiac Killer is going to go out and murder some people. I, like uh, uh, maybe. I mean, like it's just how many? Like, oh man, it's going to be all over the news. Like just just get, I got... I'm not going to go outside for a while. Wow. He's going to go on a freaking rampage. <laughs> 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 uh so this sec- this is the second straight year so you know sometimes we've seen people come out of the gate a little slow mm-hmm. you would have finished strong mm-hmm. if you can get a five game losing streak to end the season two years in a row you know coming out of the pandemic that's pretty good right mm-hmm. um they haven't won in november <laughs> since i don't know when uh, but yeah eight straight losses in november this is not good like david shaw had to go yeah um he, he gone but yeah, this was this was
0: he gone. Oh, wow.
1: yeah, this was bad. Super uh, gone. All right, another bad team. Our number ten team, California Golden Bears. Uh, they were uh, hosting our number six team, UCLA Bruins, on a Friday.
0: Yeah, so this one was super interesting and potentially.
1: <laughs> Oh, by the way, we both took BYU uh, minus six and a half. Correct. Harvard. Yeah, uh,
0: This is one where we differed. Uh, I took, UCLA, I took uh, Cal uh, plus 10. Ryan took UCLA minus 10. My bad. No, I mean, this was a tough one to get because you, it was so much based on soft factors, like which team is going to be more motivated to play and all that kind of stuff. And I think that the obvious takeaway from the first half was that Cal came in motivated and UCLA was a little bit hungover from USC. Uh, Cal jumped out to a 21-10 lead. Um, they were mixing in like these really effective deep um passes off of kind of tricky formations, um, where there would be like a fake pitch, then throw deep, or they would uh they ran out a diamond formation at one point. Um, they were just doing some nifty, tricky stuff, and it was generating some big yardage because you see cornerbacks are horrible. Um yeah and it kind of just looked like ucla was out of sorts offensively they were not um fully engaged in the first half um just a lot of mistakes um they weren't uh throwing the ball particularly well uh dorian thompson robinson wasn't having a great game um but eventually what ended up happening was that ucla started running the ball constantly all the time and uh Ended up with 64 carries for 352 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Zach Charbonnet was fine. He looked kind of dinged up to me. Um, but TJ Harden, who's a freshman, uh, Colson Yankoff, who's a converted wide receiver, and Thompson Robinson all ran the ball really, really effectively. Um, and Cal just kind of died a little bit offensively. It seemed like once they couldn't keep hitting their big trick plays, um, they just didn't have the like down-to-down strength. Um, their running game was not able to do much of anything because Cal's offensive line is horrible. Um, you know, Jaden, not basically every time they tried to run Jaden up the middle, it was just blown up, um, for a loss. So, you know, eventually it ended up being 35, 28. Um, I predicted 34, 27 in my game preview. So pretty pretty much right on with what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and you know, UCLA walks away with the win. They finished nine and three Cal, you know, obviously a bad team. Um, but, very close, teetered on the knife's edge of uh, Cal. There was a point in this game where if they get a stop before halftime, they're getting the ball coming out of half, already leading by eleven. Where it could have it could have gone very very south, but um, Dorian Thompson Robinson led a great drive before halftime
1: that got them within four points, and then they could. Uh, then Chip, they were in striking distance. Chip Kelly crushing the middle eight. Uh, EVS says, Dave, <laughs> how bad is the UCLA secondary? The worst in the Pac-12.
0: It's really bad. So the safeties are okay. Um, the safeties are really good in run support, and they're really good at preventing big plays for the most part. This game, I thought they were leaky. But um, cornerback play, I, I don't know that there's a set of corners that's worse than the back 12.
1: Yeah, he said putrid corner play. You kind of followed up with that. Yeah, um, yeah that was – you know, it was funny. Uh, Cal came out sort of like motivated, like you said. Like they ran that trick play that for a touchdown, I believe, where – it was kind of like that. You you look to the side and it's like everyone thinks the play's yeah. not happening. So they, yeah, they did the sort che- of like yeah, they
0: did the fake check with me and uh, snapped the ball and uh, they were caught napping a little bit. But reality was there was good coverage on that play, but the cornerback just like was unable to make a play on the ball. Once it he, looked
1: like it went through his arm.
0: Yeah, just unable to make a play on the ball. Wasn't looking at it at all, and th- it was a great catch. Um, but. That Was actually the one defender who actually was engaged. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it was. Oh, yeah, no, just great throw and catch, too.
1: And you're, you're right, I mean, it was sort of like UCLA looked more hungover, and Cal looked like they wanted to play. Like, it could have easily been Cal didn't give a crap, and uh,
0: yeah, and UC- there, there was no way of gauging that because UCLA has uh, under Chip Kelly, they haven't had the USC hangover the way they had sometimes under Mora, yeah. Um, so you, you, it was hard to gauge, um, but. I think ultimately that's kind of how it played out is that UCLA was a little bit more like eh, going through the motions, especially early. But then when they got punched in the mouth, I thought they responded.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was, I, I just, the UCLA offense looked really sluggish in the beginning. Um, but there was, you know, twenty one seventeen 17, at half, the refs were bad. Uh, in this one, um, there was just all these weird, it was just, it just, it was a perfect way for mothershed to kind of leave the conference. It was so beautiful. There were so many bad things. Um,
0: there was the one where they they for I, I still don't really understand what happened. They 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 claimed that they forgot to reset the down marker, and so it sort of looked like UCLA was granted an extra down. But I think the reality was is that they just confused themselves on the field, and there was no extra down at any point. I
1: think they took away a run. Like it was bizarre what so, happened. So it was like basically it was like a first down. I forget what it was, but they. They they set it on the
0: field. It was uh, it was going to be like third and short. Or but he, whatever. but he really got the first down. He really had gotten the first down, and by like a wide margin. Right, and it so wasn't the, even close. Everything was going to be reset anyway. But UCLA goes up quick and runs it. For the first down. Like for a two yard run. So they right.
1: basically are like, we're trying to pick up third and short. Right. And they ran that play.
0: Yeah. And so there. I, and I, there was an
1: option that they were going to now make it. That no, that really was a first down. You just picked up two. Now it's second and eight and really screwed you, yeah, yeah. over. Yeah. Like that so was part of the thought the, process. The
0: end result was that I thought they got it morally correct. Like they got it like right, which is it's a first down. It's first and 10 from like the 19th. But or I think they
1: took away. They took away a play, like
0: yeah, yeah. They had to erase a play to make that happen. It was (laughs) like uh, truly some of the most avant-garde refereeing you've ever seen. We're gonna miss Michael
1: Mothershed. Yeah, that was a that was a weird one. Um, I I was like, I don't know what that was going on there. So this is the most uh, single season losses under Justin Wilcox. Worst full season yeah, record. Y-
0: yet another guy who should be walking into a press conference this week and saying, "I'm resigning as the head coach." Yeah, uh, he's, he's bad. I don't think he's doing that.
1: Uh, worst full season record since uh, Cal went one and eleven back in 2013, and the worst conference record uh, since 2017. Also, they went two and seven that year as well. So two and seven uh, in the Pac-12. Not uh, no bueno for the uh, sturdy Golden Bears. But they did get the cover and, yeah. and screwed me on that one. We would have been tied uh, otherwise. Okay, uh, next up, we got, okay, I forget what we called all these. You may give the this real name. This is names. the Apple Cup. This is the Apple Cup, okay. We have the Apple Cup between Arizona State Sun Devils, <laughs> our number nine team, and then our number eight team, Arizona Wildcats. This game
0: was really stupid, and I don't really have a good way to like um, uh, articulate it. Uh, Arizona ended up winning 38-35. I don't exactly know how. But I would also say, uh, Arizona kind of dominated this game, like statistically, so they should have won by more, but they also should have lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't really have like a great overarching theme here, except to say, uh, Michael Wiley um, got hurt in this game at one point, which is why he didn't continue to run the ball. But he had 12 carries, Ryan, mm-hmm. for 214 yards. That's like a lot. That's he pretty... averaged almost 20 yards per carry. Uh, in this football game. Mm. Um, big play runs were insane in this game. Um Jaden DeLora did not bounce back from oh, his previous no. game. He was horrible. I don't think he fought anybody. <laughs> he didn't fight anybody, but he was really bad in this game Progress. too. Uh, probably the only reason Arizona didn't pour it on a little bit more is that he was still very iffy um in the past game, mm. but the run game was working in a huge way. They averaged 10 yards a carry collectively. Um And, yeah know, that ended up being a big part of the difference. But then it also got like very gong show at the end. They had to force. So it was to the point where it was like ASU with the ball twice with basically a chance to go ahead and win. Um, and each time the Arizona defense steps up for a turnover. Yeah. Like this defense, which has been like the biggest bad. trash can in the league this year, <laughs> steps up with two turnovers in the closing minutes to ice this one away, leads to a big fight on the field. Like it was insane at the end of this game. Just exactly what you want out of college football. Just stupidity in a game that doesn't matter in any real way. Both teams are bad, both teams are losing programs and
1: it just gets
0: silly and shitty at the end. It was so
1: great. Yeah, this is the one we both got wrong. Uh, another Friday game. Uh we had Arizona minus 4. Yeah. What was the it was um was it 3 or what was the,
0: what was the... it? The ended up margin being 3, but it three. was Arizona
1: minus 4. Minus 4. Yeah. So, but this was crazy back and forth. I believe six lead changes in the game. Yeah, the second half got bonkers. Yeah. Uh Arizona was up 3. They got that late cur- turnover um Couldn't convert on fourth and one, and that looked like they were going to cover there. Like, they had the fourth and one. Uh They got the late turnovers. Like, oh, they're just – okay, fourth and one. You know, if you kick a field goal, if you do whatever, nope, they go for it. Don't get it. You're like, ugh, they're not going to cover this. But uh, ASU turned it over five times, if I'm not mistaken. That seems – one of the coolest plays you will see uh, in in college football was when the uh, Aussie punter – Gets the like it looks like he was gonna try to fake it and he's running to his right where he's a right footed and then kind of escaped and then ran to his left. And, and w- booted it left footed. Left footed, like a 32 yard punt with his left foot. Like it was just like and he gave like the Michael Jordan like, yeah, you know, like whatever. He's just that was pretty impressive that he was able to like avert disaster and boot it left footed, didn't get it blocked, you know, just was well, obviously not a great punt, but just to get thirty-two yards of field position there when it looked like I don't know if it was like a design fake or whatever. No, but I don't think it was. It just like it was a weird looking play. Um, do you ever hear of like a team getting 41 first downs and losing? Like that seems like a lot of first downs. Yes. And that's what Arizona State did and they did not win this game. Um, pretty crazy, but this was a this was a big one for Jed uh 5 game losing streak not all him, but uh for Arizona to ASU. So, snap that like You mentioned Wiley, he had three touchdowns along with those 214 yards. Uh, ASU 537 yards, they they had 6.2 yards per play. They ran 87 plays in Arizona, Arizona, only ran 51. But like you said, they had some huge, big runs there. Um, and that sort of was like the difference. But ASU was moving the ball, uh, but they you know, you can't turn the ball over. That I mean, what was it? The last two or three drives, they turned it over too. But, yep. um, five turnovers that's that's no bueno. Can't do that. But, but a whole bunch of first downs. So um, you know, maybe they were inspired knowing that Kenny Dillingham was coming. I I'm just not sure. Uh okay, we got to get to um this was the territorial cup, I believe. Correct. Uh number seven. Washington State Cougars. Mm, they were hosting uh our number three team. Washington Huskies.
0: <laughs> Yeah, this is another kind of deceptive final score. Uh Washington ended up winning the Territorial Cup, Territorial. Cup, Territorial because the Washington Territory.
1: Please don't go in the comments and tell us that it's the Apple <laughs> Cup. Okay? Just try to like get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: it's like barely a joke. It's like it's, not yeah. even it's not even funny. Um Washington beat Washington State 51-33. Uh it was it, very deceptive because Washington poured it on late. Um this was a very very close game heading into the fourth quarter. Um, it was very neck and neck for a long time. It seemed like every time Washington looked like it was really putting it together, really generating some big yardage, really, you know, making big plays, Washington state would come back and respond. Uh, I thought Cam Ward played one of his better games. Uh, he takes some, uh, bizarre sacks sometimes. And that happened again in this one. Um, but he was making some plays. Um, I think Washington's defense has a lot to work out this off season um but once again washington state it's like oh we scored like just over 30 we're good we don't need to score anymore and they didn't and uh washington continued to score because that was the nature of the football contest you know we got to score more to win and washington state was like no we're good and so that's what ended up happening is uh washington continued to pour it on uh my man penix i thought was really really good in this game um wasn't like perfect completing every ball but when he did complete, it was a huge play downfield. Um, he also caught a receiving touchdown. Um, or it might have ended up being a rushing touchdown. Because I think it was a lateral. Uh, yeah, I it, thought... it ended up being counted as a rushing touchdown. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, trick play, like a the play. trick play where he threw it backwards and then that guy threw it. And it could have been a forward pass, but a, a lateral, I guess. Um, that was a neat-looking play. I thought he played really, really well. Yeah. Um, And uh, really left it all out there. Um, He had like almost 500 yards or something. He's really fleshed out over the course of the year, you know? Um, (laughs) And I think he's just, um, you know, he's he's really, really shouldering the load. um, And just, um, he was spraying it all over in this game. Um, And (laughs) Scott said Phoenix loves some Cougars. He sure does. And I think he was putting it to the Cougars um, with uh, great verve. So, uh, what Washington state, I mean, it was, a, it was a much more competitive game. I think I would say than the final score indicated they were, they were right
1: there. In it was it. close. They most just, of it, they yeah. just
0: couldn't put together the drives they needed to in the, in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah. Uh, really competitive. I mean, one of the better territorial cups I can remember. Um, but yeah, no, that was, and there was a lot at stake. So by the time this game played and it was funny, I would have people asking me, uh, even in, like in the press box, people were talking about it at the USC-Notre Dame game, and people on Twitter asked me, and they're kind of dumbfounded that they were like, wait a second, so USC could play Oregon or they could play Utah, but it matters who wins the Washington-Washington State game. Mm-hmm. And Washington would end up having the best record of all of those teams, but they wouldn't be the team that gets in. So they're deciding who goes, but it won't be them, even though they have won 10 games and those yeah. other teams did not. So there was a lot of confusion there, but yes, this was Washington's opportunity to not only knock out uh, their hated Ducks, but potentially uh, have a path to the Rose Bowl. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. But they came on really strong. This was the highest scoring, I'll say Apple Cup, but the highest scoring Territorial Cup ever. Uh, 702 total yards for Washington. Uh, it's the most by any team in the history of the Apple Cup. Uh, pretty good third most single game uh total yards in Washington program history uh they currently lead the country uh in third down percentage did you know that 57.1% Ooh. so mm-hmm. they uh pretty good from the huskies 10 and 2 in his first year 10 and 2 Kalen Seattle. DeBoer um, Kalen DeBoer. and they are not going to the championship game uh Washington state they would they would be going if uh we get if we kept the divisions right they would Talk, oh, yeah, no, it would be
0: Washington versus USC, yeah, in the uh, title game.
1: Um, Washington State they allowed Washington to con- convert on you, ready <laughs> 11 of 13 third down. So, is that bad? Really hard to get them off the field, 84.6 percent. Yeah, not a, I mean,
0: Wazoo's defense went pear shaped in this game,
1: they are really good, zero tackles for loss, not a single tackle yeah. for loss in this game. Like, how do you do that? Uh, and Wazoo ran 22 more plays than Washington, um, 89 to 70, 67. But yeah, you, you gotta force some negative plays. You gotta get. I mean, to just that's got to be demoralizing when you just never get a third down, get a, never get a third down stop. So, yep, um, we have a bunch of people that are really hoping for Washington to get to Pasadena. It's not a guarantee. Like the Rose Bowl could still pick Utah, but Utah went last year. Um, they would have four losses opposed to Washington yeah. with two. So it looks pretty clear. Is there a could Oregon State get selected or you think it's Washington all the way? I think at this point it would probably be Washington. Yeah.
0: Um and I think Washington fans would travel like crazy. And not to say Oregon State wouldn't, but I think Washington's a bigger brand and it'll probably get more eyeballs. I mean, it could end up being a Washington, Ohio State matchup in the Rose Bowl, and that would be that would draw some eyes.
1: No, I think it would. Um
0: also, that game would be, I think, um, fifty to forty-nine, something like that.
1: Ooh, it'd be nuts. It'd I like be a it. lot of fun. Okay, uh, this one we this was the Apple Cup, I believe. We have uh, number five team, Oregon Ducks. No, this was big game. Big game. oh, big game. Uh, with the uh, is there, no the the just the big, big game. This is the big the Game. the big game. Yeah, okay, yeah. so number five. I'd switch it. Thank you, Dave, for having me switch that. Uh, Oregon and number four. Oregon State Beavers. This was, I I
0: think it's one of the contenders for the best game of the year um, in the Pac-12. Insanity. Absolute nutty shit going on in this game. And not like a great, like... It's a great game in the Pac-12 context. Like, it's a great Pac-12 game because it had insanity involved in it. Like, it was just... The, the exact circumstances that needed to happen for Oregon State to win this game presented themselves. Um, Oregon forgot how to play special teams. They were just like, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it the way you tell us to. What is this kicking game? The way of? we think about it is we're going to drop a punt snap on the goal line, and we're just going to hang out and sit there with it, and we're just going to think about things. We're going to see a kickoff That's going to land at the one yard line. And instead of fielding it and fair catching it, we're just going to watch it and see if it bounces a weird way. And it does. And then we're going to field it and we're only (laughs) going to return it for eight yards. That's what we're going to do. And Oregon State's like, yeah, exactly. That's what you're going to do. And then we're going to win the football game. Uh, Oregon was up 31 to 10 in this game. And it looked like they were in full control. Looked like Oregon State was pretty much dead in the water. Um, and then Jonathan Smith decides to go basically triple option, um, service academy offense, uh, just stops throwing the ball with Ben Cobranson, who was throwing like nothing but picks, um, and instead decides to run the ball with like, I don't know, guys that like literally did they just pick them out of the crowd before the game? Like, who is Isaiah Newell? Like, what is that name? But he's a guy who ran for two touchdowns in this game. <laughs> he like came in after like every single other running back was hurt or dinged up for a second. Oh, yeah here's Isaiah Newell and like, you can't, pr- you can't prove to me that Isaiah Newell is Isaiah Newell or he, they just didn't like put a shirt on some, like Jaquiz Rogers was hanging out in the, in the, uh, in the stands and like, Hey, put this shirt on real quick and we're going to call you Isaiah Newell. Um, cause he looked electric running the ball he as did. all Oregon state running backs do. Um, and they ended up 43 carries for 268 yards and five touchdowns. But in the second half, it was like their run game was unstoppable. Like Oregon could do nothing against it. Um, they came back in the game running the ball. How often do you see a comeback where they are just running the ball for the comeback? Uh, and they basically just poured it on unanswered um, and ended up winning 38-34. Uh, it was, you know, again, a lot of people are going to come down on uh, Land Danning for the fourth down call. It was a remarkably similar situation to the Washington-Oregon game where he decides to go for it on a fourth and one and get stopped. And again, I think because it was almost exactly the same situation, I'm going to say what I said then. Right decision, probably the wrong play call. Um, You know, Don't run it with your hobbled quarterback. That's basically the answer. Um, Probably try to sneak it if you're going to run it with him. Don't try to get him outside because he can't really move right now. Um, But I think it was the right decision. I think you have to know what game you're in at that moment. And in that moment, is their defense going to stop Oregon State?
1: Yeah, just at some point. I get it; that's the right decision. But if you're not making, like, you know, sometimes it's you—you—you you, you might want the right mathematical call, but you have to do like, you know, if you're gonna, like, oh, hey, you have the best odds playing blackjack. Well, if you're staying on sixteen, then you, st- you know, if you're doing the wrong things, but like you're playing the right game, you know, like I feel like that's you're causing you no, know, but that's,
0: but I think that's what it would be. It, what he would be doing in that moment is being risk averse, and he would be staying on a sixteen against an eighteen or whatever, right? By by electing to punt it away right then you're not playing like the thing is if you're going to play on 29 yeah, like, but if you're going to play blackjack the right way you hit on the 16
1: even against the 17 because right but I, I'm I, I would say if there's the, the hit is like you're assuming the hit there's only one thing you do give me one card dealer there's a skill involved to this it's like a little bit different because there's something like yeah, you, you have to do the right
0: you can't the the call I think was bad yeah like and that's where I I you know if you're going to make that call then punting is the right move but there's a there's a menu of options available to you within the play call and yeah. I think the decision like the strategic decision the tactical decision whatever you want to call it to go is the right one it's just if you're going
1: to do it, you really need to fine tune how you're going to do it. Right. Uh, and I, I think they've proven that they've, like, every time we have this discussion, it's because it doesn't work. The first, and the first I don't want to be results oriented. I want to be like, yeah, yeah. And make the, first the right one, call. The first and one, I get the, it.
0: The first one, the running back slips. Um, And I think yeah. he slipped because the blocking was getting blown up up front. Um, I think there's an aversion with a lot of programs to a QB sneak. I don't know why. I think it's because it's seen as, like, a little bit cheap. Just line up a bunch of your running backs behind the, the quarterback and just push him a yard you can do that almost everybody can yeah. uh UCLA's perfected it they they should make an offense entirely out of their qb sneaks they get like seven yards pop um but that's that's basically the the i think that's going to be a focus and again sort of the same way that the washington game the much bigger and much more impactful play was the botched snap on the previous dry drive uh yeah. this one the fourth and one is going to get focused on if their special teams doesn't go completely stupid um, on two plays, the Oregon State isn't even afforded the opportunity for the comeback.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, well, another thing for me being old. So when it was 31-10, so I'm in the press box and I'm tweeting out, and I tweeted out something like, Oregon just went up 21 points on Oregon State. If that, And um, I said, so in the tweet I said, if this score holds, it will be USC versus Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Like, I didn't say I think it's going to hold. I didn't say. I just said if this result, if this is the end up being the result, USC and Oregon will play. All the and someone was tagging like old takes exposed and stuff, and and that they old takes exposed responded like this isn't a take, and it was just, like I, I I don't know what it was, but somebody like shared it, and I don't think if people even read you can't even read the 140 characters. What, what I
0: what I've understood on Twitter is that so like I do a lot of trolling, so I expect some trolling right. back. But there's this also wasn't trolling. There, there's also like some remarkably like stupid people out there um, who like don't. It's it's a real case study in the Dunning Kruger syndrome where like Not you. Well, it's the idea that um un- incompetent people tend to overrate their own competence uh, in areas because they are that. actually ignorant of their incompetence because they are so incompetent. <laughs> um and I think it happens to people especially on Twitter is because it's such a it's very takes driven, you know, yes. you got to have a hard take. And so like basic things like reading comprehension don't like they don't they don't read the word if they don't read that they don't even understand that you're not making a prediction, you were simply saying the
1: facts. I'm, I'm like trying to figure out who USC is going to play, and I just said, if this holds, this is what's going to happen. And yep, yep, I wasn't, I did. I would, I was rooting for Oregon State, I wanted them to play. I love watching Oregon State, you know. You were rooting tooting, I like Oregon State, I picked Oregon State, that's right. why I wanted them to come back. So it was like the weirdest thing, and it just kept happening. I'm like, bad takes, man. I'm like, do you understand what a take is? Like, that's not a take, nobody. Uh, why did they have? Both have home jerseys. I loved it. I it was that.
0: really pretty. Um, I don't care. It was fine.
1: Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I missed why that was. Well, if USC uh, and UCLA do it, why not them? So this early on, I know that's good. Um, early on uh, in big game, I felt like Oregon State was sort of like going to be in control. It was ten seven. Um, Oregon State was up and they were driving, and I was like, oh, I feel pretty good about it. They get that really bad spot. Do you remember that? Yeah. They should have got the first down. They didn't. They get stuffed. Coletto, Jack Coletto, for the very first time in his career got stuffed on a yeah. – and it just seemed to turn the game. And like It's sort of like that shut down. Oregon State had the lead then, and all of a sudden it's 31-10. Um, and it was like – that I felt like it was a big turning point in the game. So when, when it looked like Oregon State had the momentum and everything was on their side and then they lost it all completely, to get it back the way they did without throwing the football is one of the more remarkable things I've seen – uh, in a football game that, you know, the punter dropping it as your own two, that was bad. Um, you know, the the field position on kickoffs, they just kept, you know, doing screwing yep. up there. Uh, you know, we talked about the going for, th- you know, the hobbled Bo Nix going for it. That was bad. Um, but when Oregon State took the lead, I'm like, this is insane. Like, I don't know how this even happened. Um, Oregon turned it over on downs their last three drives. Uh, they had a first and goal from the two and couldn't score. Ben Goldbranson <clears throat> was six of 13 for 60 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. He did rush for two touchdowns. Um, that's the winning quarterback statistical line in a 21 point comeback. That's what your quarterback did. Like what, has that ever even happened before? You like if you're Oregon, you know they're running the ball and you just can't
0: stop can't it. Can't do it. That was uh, you know,
1: and Oregon's pretty good at stopping the run. Like they're bad in pass defense, right? I mean, Oregon State, man, that's a well-coached football team. It is a well-coached team. Uh 0 for 5 on fourth down for for Oregon. So you need to get a couple of those. Yep. Um so all three of their fourth quarter drives ended on uh failed uh they got turnover on down so i think it's the first time they've ever gone zero for five on fourth down uh now something that's really important to you oregon did have a 14-0 advantage in the middle eight so hey <laughs> they're plus 95 in the middle eight this season but that didn't help no uh, for this one no it did not win them the game okay uh we got to finish this up here we got our number one team now
0: usc trojans Taking on the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Give me my pot of gold. Yeah. Um, I thought USC could have run away with this a couple different points. It just didn't quite happen. Um, But they were firmly in control of this game. It felt like at basically every juncture. Um, It never really felt like Notre Dame was making a comeback. As much as the TV guys were trying to make it seem like they were. Like, USC, basically, every time Notre Dame looked like it was mounting a little bit of a of a string of plays, then Caleb Williams would come back and do something silly. Like, yeah. just something absolutely ridiculous that you've never seen before. There was a scramble in this game where he uh, they did the count on the TV, and to get 15 yards or 20 yards or something like that, he had to run 80, where he, <laughs> he spun out of the pocket, did this full circle, ran around, did the whole thing, and ended up sliding for a first down. And it was like... He didn't slide because somebody was tackling him. He slid, he slid because he was tired because uh, yeah. he ran so far. <laughs> uh he was ridiculous in this game. His stats
1: aren't really going to show it, but um he, yeah, he it, said he was he said yeah, I was tired at, at that point because he did run for 80 yards.
0: Yeah. yeah, he was I mean, he was full on like they could not bring him down. Mm-hmm. They they had so many times where they had There was one play where defensive tackles were in his face, like both of them just rushing at him, and he doesn't even take off and run. He just kind of backpedals a little bit, keeps his eyes downfield. And the funny part was Jordan Addison had come open like 10 seconds before he even threw him the ball. Like Jordan Addison's just hanging out on the right sideline, and he's just backing up. And it's like, oh, no, he wants to get these defensive tackles tired for some reason before he ends up throwing the ball for the first down to the wide open receiver downfield. Um he was crazy. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Austin Jones, I thought, once again, showed that uh, he's a really good running back. Um, Travis dies a little bit better, which is why he was playing and starting all these games. But Austin Jones is really good, too. Um, he was exceptional in this game. And uh, defensively, I thought USC was pretty bad. I mean, they let drew pine who's not a good quarterback complete all but three passes um i thought the secondary he started
1: off 15 of 15 yeah
0: i thought the secondary was pretty bad but they did make a big play late um but uh they were able to shut down the run largely yeah and that was that was key
1: um willer got trolled a little bit because he said that notre dame was going to run for 850 yards and they had 90
0: so again this is one where like you and i because again, we've got context clues. Uh Notre Dame has played Stanford and Cal this year. We I couldn't get the Stanford games. game out
1: of my head. Like they lost to Stanford. Right. Like so you have to stink.
0: A lot of people I don't care if you beat Clemson. Yeah, but that's my point is like a lot of people like got I think a little bit out over their skis about Notre Dame beating up on some shitty ACC teams, and I include Clemson in that.
1: Yeah. Um who just lost to South Carolina.
0: If you lose to Stanford and you almost lose to Cal, like you are a desperation ref thing from losing to Cal, you are a bad football team. <laughs> And I thought USC actually like I don't think they played their A game, and they won by eleven in this game. Yeah, like I think they probably could have put it on them a little bit more. I thought offensively, they weren't quite where they needed to be. Um, and they scored thirty eight, won this game by eleven, looked comfortable doing it. I think
1: there was a garbage touchdown at the end. They're
0: the clear best team in the Pac twelve right now.
1: Yeah, that was um, it sort of was reversed. Like they came out, they heard a lot about from the players we talked to, the coaches. That Notre Dame was going to be this physical team, and USC came out and ran the ball. They were the one that was like taking more play clock, um, they were longer possessions, and it forced Notre Dame to try to score quickly. But very similar to what Jack Plummer did against USC, where he has his like career game. He kind of had another one against UCLA too. Like has, you know, they did not a good throwing quarterback for whatever reason against the LA schools. He had a, you know, career day. Um, Drew Pine just was, I mean, he was dealing. Like he was just finding, you know, they have another great. Tight end, um, Michael Mayer that uh just you know absolutely making catches all over the place. I thought they did a good job of limiting the yards after catch, unlike what they did against uh uh Kincaid, uh, you know, Utah where yep. he just kept he would catch it in his run forever. Uh this was more a possession kind of thing, but and Mayer's nowhere near the player that Kincaid is. No, like he's he's,
0: not. he's a fine, whatever uh Midwest tight end, but you know, we do him different
1: out here in the West. He's good. And I would say um they did. They just did a nice job slowing down the run, shutting the run down to get you know Notre Dame under 100 yards, and they did a good job against Charbonnet too. He had five yards of carry, but you know he, he didn't get his hundred, and so, you know they were fine. They're not a good defense at all, but they did some good things. They can pick their spots,
0: yeah, and they do. I think at this point you can't just say, oh, they turn them over because it's variance and luck. It's th- they turn them over because they play really aggressive in the secondary, and guys are taught to crash, you know, get into the passing lanes and try to make plays, and. You know that's that's what they do.
1: Yeah, I mean they got the one interception. Kalen Bullock, he's really good. I mean that was nice when you you know. But the the fumble they got was pretty lucky. It's just a exchange on the running. You know the it was like the mesh of a, a handoff and Drew Pine drops it and uh, Raylen Goforth jumped on it. But those were big plays and you. But you didn't feel like this was going to be in doubt. Like it might have been close, but you never felt like okay USC was going to lose this game.
0: No, um, no, and, and that was the thing. The announcers were trying to make it more than it was, but this was not a... I didn't think it was a close game.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and kind of wrap things up. I know David doesn't have a lot of time, so this is going to be a little weird episode. We might do another one later in the week, but back yep. in a minute. <music> all right, we're back. On the podcast of champions. Um, So we are we going to do Do you want to do a quick preview show at some point?
0: We certainly can. I just don't know how long it will be. It's just one game.
1: Yeah, we might. So we might be able to get to some more of the questions and stuff uh, then. I think we have a few, but it's going to be USC and Utah Pac-12 championship game. Like I said, um, Thursday night meetup. If you're going to be there, Uh, Park MGM is the media hotel. So that's where we'll be staying. I know Tom from Jockey will be there. I believe uh, our buddy John from Trader Joe's will be there. So maybe we'll have some like giveaways, some other stuff uh, for you guys. So hopefully you guys can come out there. You can uh, tweet out, you know, um, tweet or just email us. Probably that's easier. I don't see other ats on tweets and stuff like all the time. But um, we do have a few email questions. You want to get to those, David? I I would love to get to some email questions. Which, where are we starting? All right.
0: So I think we start with Rivalry Week from Nick. Okay. Gentlemen. With UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten, what's going to happen with those rivalries? Obviously, UCLA will not independently schedule Cal or Stanford every year, and the more interesting thing is what happens to the USC-Notre Dame game. Is the Big Ten going to allow USC to schedule Notre Dame like they do, or is that rivalry going to get moved to the sidelines? Have you guys heard anything about this stuff? Do you think the Big Ten is going to want the UCLA-USC game to be the last game of the year, just like Michigan-Ohio State? That's the way it should be played on Rivalry Week in the national spotlight. Uh, I, there is zero chance that USC is going to get rid of the Notre Dame game, I would imagine. No. Um, and then two, uh, I don't think UCLA has much interest in regularly scheduling Cal or Stanford or, uh, any former PAC 12 teams. I'm sure there will be like, they will treat them sort of like they do major power five, yeah. you know, programs where like, yeah, if we can get a game with them, that's great. But
1: for the most part, I
0: mean, those are recruiting competitors, and I think if you're not in the same conference and you don't have to
1: play them, why would you? You sort of give them extra exposure yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I know David Shaw was expressing, I mean, he's gone now, but uh, expressing interest in, that, in keeping those going. We don't know. We don't know what the Big Ten's going to do. Uh, we still have to hear from the Regents, right? The, one more meeting or whatever for UCLA. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't.
0: Nothing's happening. Uh, I don't know why they keep delaying this. They're not going to do anything.
1: It's uh, it's grandstanding, right? It's
0: just to give content to uh columnists. I don't know, but they're not gonna do anything.
1: I guess. Um yeah. Okay. Uh thanks, Nick, for that one. <laughs> but yeah, we don't know the schedules. So we said like the Pac-Twelve fully embraced the non-division things. The Big Ten is keeping them because like you basically needed Purdue, you know, to matter. Like Purdue's just gonna be a sacrificial lamb to to Michigan. The Pac Twelve didn't want to do that. They wanted to put the two best teams in and The the weird thing, you made the choice to put the two best teams in, but you might have screwed yourself. Because would you rather see Washington-USC, Dave, or would you rather see Utah?
0: Yeah. No, it's true. I would rather see (laughs) Washington-USC.
1: The tiebreaker cut, like, the in an effort to, is all, like, the best intentions, right? Now, but, okay. Unintended consequences. We'll do do a
0: preview show. Unintended consequences. I've got some funny things to say about Utah-USC. Okay. But it it is funny that it's going to be that matchup to determine the
1: the, the winner yeah and no Michael mother because he was he was a shining star in the last one uh-huh. but like it's funny the unintended consequences were we would have made the two best teams and you sort of like just the old way would have worked out better it oh just, and
0: it totally would have and if the, in the weird scenario where ucla had won out but still been been kept out even though they would have had the tiebreaker over utah and the, usc yeah Uh, But because they didn't because USC didn't play Washington, it was going to go to like who did the best against Cal or whatever.
1: Yes. (laughs) Just dumb stuff. Yeah. yeah, Because, you know, Washington ended up. Yeah. So that was all uh, very, very bizarre. But um, thanks for that one, Nick. Uh, Frank in Sacramento. Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. It seems crazy now to think about all the different coaches USC was dreaming about bringing in to replace. Sorry, old Clay Helton. Among them were Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, James Franklin, Kyle Whittingham, Mark Stoops, Eric Bieniemy, Bill O'Brien, and even Kalani Sataki. Could Mike Bone and Brandon Sosnough have targeted a better coach than Lincoln Riley? Hang on, Frank. Frank. Frank.
0: Mm-hmm. The only reason that people weren't saying, oh, they should target Lincoln Riley is because everyone considered it a non-starter. Like in the, in the you know, whatever. Right. Like, oh, why would he go? Why would he go? So that's why they were talking about all these guys. It wasn't like, oh, wow, they really... <laughs> they really found a diamond in the rough with old Lincoln Riley. No, they targeted one of the like best three coaches in the college game and landed him because they gave him a boatload of money and he was interested in the opportunity. Like, yeah. this isn't like this isn't great scouting work. It's watching Oklahoma play football for the last like seven years or whatever. yeah, that's funny.
1: We had a comment David Gould. so even da- like David. Why is USC not playing Washington in the conference championship game? Like, is this, I don't know. Do because, st- of,
0: because of how ASU did this year? I have no fucking idea, man.
1: <laughs> There's like some weird tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, just wanted to point out – this is a text message. Just wanted to point out that a lot of talk this year has been on the importance of the Middle Eight. seems like Oregon dominated the Middle Eight of the Civil War, but I think we should remind Land Danning of the importance of the other remaining 52 minutes. <laughs> he must have forgotten that. And as a reminder, if JT Danos came to Oregon State, are they one loss, and where would they, you have them ranked? Uh so that's my yeah, exactly. If they had let's just say if they had competent quarterback X, whoever it is, yes, uh, they would be a one loss team right now. Um and they still would have like probably that loss to Utah on the schedule, but who knows how that shifts if they're not turning the ball over every play. Um they they'd be a top I mean they would be where USC is, I think. There'd be no reason not to have them there. Um you know, they'd probably be lower just because it's USC versus Oregon State, but they would be in the mix for the playoff. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy to think about.
1: So the thing because defense is so good, the running game is so good.
0: Yeah, I want to say about this about the analytics thing. Mm. Here's the thing with Oregon, and he's obviously going to get a bunch of shit for it. And I hope it doesn't make him deviate from his thing because what he has done is he's obviously identified some like analytical things that help you win. Um If he keeps doing them, it's going to even out in the long run. Um, yes, but he's got to keep doing them, um, and I don't think he, it, you don't want him to get gun shy at this point because. I think he's got one of the best approaches to game management currently in the Pac-12. Um, dominating the middle, e- middle eight does matter. It's not going to win you every game, but it does matter, and he approaches it with the right mentality. You
1: know, we need to manage our time. Once the middle eight was over, he decided to stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, won the middle eight, baby. But it's how just... much time's left? <laughs> yeah, let's screw that. I got fuck I gotta, the rest. I going to uh, go watch Netflix.
0: Like, here's the thing: if or if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt on that play against Washington. Then when he comes back in the game, they might they might pull that one out, and then in this game they probably win it if Bo Nix is healthy, like if he's able to run the ball, they probably win. Yeah. Um. And then we're talking about an entirely different thing. We're talking about an eleven and one Oregon that looks like the absolute playoff contender that would be no doubt favored over USC in the title game. Um. But Bo Nix got hurt, and so they're not. Um. So, you know, you can – obviously, you're an Oregon State fan. Make your jokes about Oregon for sure. I fully support <laughs> you in it. But I think if you're an Oregon fan, you've got to still be pretty excited about uh, Land Landanning and his acumen. Like his approach to the game, I think, is um, – world's better than a lot of
1: Pac-12 coaches. Yeah. I see. I mean, I'm a math guy, and, I, you know, I like a lot of that stuff. but And maybe there's just like a traditionalist thing uh, in me. I don't want to see David Shaw punting. Like someone put in the comments, like David Shaw punting at the USC twenty nine. Like I don't want to see you do that. Like you, the stupid stuff like that. But I don't mind if it's like you know. Hey, we're gonna play defense on this one. It's we're on. You know, we don't want to just give up a score if we don't get it. Uh, You know, and maybe the math says fifty five percent. You should you should go for it. And but. You don't have to go for it every single time, like, especially you've been not doing but it This much. is
0: the part I like, is that I think you're right. Like, I don't think you need to do it as aggressively as he did, but I think he was recognizing also his defense wasn't good. Yeah. I think once his defense gets better, I think you'll see a little bit less aggression in those spots, but I think it's also a sign of recognition. Like My defense isn't good. It's not going to be able to stop this team the way I want it to, yeah. and so I need to put it in the hands of the offense because the offense is obviously the best part of the team, and it's really great to see that from a defensive guy. You know he is a defensive coach, and so to have that like not attached to his ego, not like trying to, um, you know, project his own feelings about defense onto his players who are inadequate at this moment, uh, instead saying, "Well, our offense is the best part, so let's lean on it." Um, I think it it didn't work out like it didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but I think you don't throw don't throw the baby out. Where the bath? This is this is pretty good, and I think in the future you're going to see. A little bit more willingness to punt because he's going to have a better defense. He's going to, you know, figure that side of the ball out. Probably, hopefully, by firing Tosh Lapoy.
1: And every, you know, everything's not a spreadsheet. I mean, these are be- this is a game being played by a bunch of young kids, right? And there's emotions. And if you just have a feeling like, oh my god, like my quarterback was at a frat party last night and his girlfriend broke up with whatever, like I'm not, I, I'm not going to go for this one. Just if there's like these you know, human factors that say. I know the math says we should probably. I'm not going to. Like I would much rather see that. But there's and I think someone put in our in the chat as well. What kind of message does it send to the defense when you're going for it all the time? does it does it demoralize your already I don't buy struggling that shit. defense. You don't I, I don't, you don't buy that stuff at all.
0: Like I, I don't buy the like what does it say to your defense? Well, okay. it says what the stats tell your defense that they suck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> play better, uh, play better, play better in the other moments that don't matter, and maybe your coach will trust you when it actually does matter. Try not to suck. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I don't know. The the defense should know what they are, and I think it's better to play that game than to not um, than to than to just play the hope game. I mean, how much shit would he be given, be getting for if he'd punted away yeah. and Oregon State just drove right down the field because their defense isn't good? And everyone's like, "Well, you had to know your defense
1: wasn't good. What are you doing? Yeah. It was fourth and one. Why didn't you go for it?" I don't think people are gonna be. As if it's your own twenty nine, there's it's just too ingrained. People are like, that's okay if you don't go for that one, even yeah. though like it says you probably should. But I would rather just like, as soon as you go wide or as soon as you like take the snap, like now you're like it's, it might as well be fourth and four. Like you're you're starting four yards back.
0: Like, yeah, I, I, the play call. No question, the play call was not good. Don't yeah. do that with your hop with quarterback. Yeah,
1: I like I like the option of just like pushing it forward. Like you know. <laughs> I think uh, UCLA did that. The Super Sneak, man. On like a third and like four. And they They're, got eight yards. Yeah. <laughs> do the Super Sneak. <laughs> it was pretty good. One, We got one last email, and I think we got a comment we're going to put on there. USC in the college football playoff. Hey, guys, question for Dave. Do you think the conference wants USC to win the conference and make the playoff? Or do you think the team slash coaches slash fans would rather see USC lose the conference championship game and have the Pac-12 get left out in favor of two SEC Big Ten teams? Uh, thanks, Coach B in San Diego. And says PPPS – We lost in the finals. The invitation started out as a joke but turned into superstition. Thanks for being part of an amazing high school season for the Ramona High Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Um,
0: Well, congrats on the season, Coach B. Uh, For USC, I think uh, the conference would prefer that they win and go to the playoff. It's better for the conference as a whole, even if it is USC, who's not going to be here in two years, to get the Pac-12 on the national stage. It's better monetarily for everyone but it's also just better um and it also sets up so that uh there's knock-on effects you know this means that one of more than likely Washington or Utah is going to get in the Rose Bowl um and that's really good for the conference right um, you know if Utah beats USC then it's going to be Utah in the Rose Bowl and then USC who knows Cotton Bowl or maybe lower i mean it kind of depends That'd on how bad be it looks it would probably be new year's look. six yeah it would but, probably be new year's six but it's not cuz they got 11 wins yeah. you know so it's like no, yeah um but uh, end result, I think it's 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 better for the conference as a whole for USC to do it. It would be spiteful to not want them to do it. So I would think, I would think the conference wants USC. I think everyone else in the conference would love to see Utah um, win this game. Like, and by that I mean the fan bases of literally eleven other programs.
1: Not no, not Washington.
0: Yes. Washington, Washington, wants, Washington. USC Washington wants USC to win because uh then they get the Rose Bowl. Right. But um everyone besides Washington and USC wants
1: uh USC to lose. Right. They're Oregon. And I think the conference would like that. It like you I mean, just having another team in the Rose Bowl, a playoff team, another team in the Rose Bowl. And if it was it would be one thing if USC and UCLA were leaving, this is the last hurrah. Like you still have one more year. So like it's another year you can promote and like, hey, we had a college football playoff, and that will, you know, USC makes the playoff. Does that make Utah better next year? Does that make right. Oregon better? Washington, like, now they're like, here's the bar. Like, you've set the bar, and it's not just USC that's going to be there. It's going to be these other teams, too. But uh, we, I, I don't know, Dave. We haven't played this for a while. That blast came from the Death Star.
0: That thing's operational. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> Shit, I have to deal with. Uh yeah, no, so th- that's the thing is that USC um it's fucked up, man. Like it's just super fucked up. They're way ahead of schedule. Um they are ahead of schedule. They're I'm like per- they're, they're they're like one point against Utah away from being twelve and zero right now. Um crazy. It's unjust. Um <laughs>
1: More Clay Helton. Someone po- pointed out that like Austin Jones, like another big game. He had 156 yards or yeah. whatever it was, but he kind of had a huge game. And Clay Helton's like last game when he got fired for Stanford when they lost yeah, to no, Stanford.
0: He's the true MVP of the program. He like um, really yeah yeah. Travis yeah.
1: Dye goes down. He steps up. He gets Clay Helton fired apart. You know
0: yeah. It's super fucked up. Um, he uh, so if they can get the defense figured out, um, you know they're yeah they're going to be. I mean they basically already are kind of Oklahoma at you know. Lincoln Riley's I wouldn't say they're the they're the best Oklahoma team that he had but they're 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 an Oklahoma team that made the playoff like that's basically what we're looking at right now you know all offense probably the best offense in the country or you know one of the top one of the contenders and then a defense that yeah yeah, they they play it sometimes um but uh, it's going to be good enough to win the Pac-12, and we'll see what happens on Friday. We'll do a preview show. but um, Yeah. Do we know what the
1: f- initial line is? Or
0: It's USC minus one and a half right now. Wow. Um, so I, uh, I'll i just tell you right now, I'd probably take USC right yeah, now. Yeah, I would too. Um, really. But uh, if they win that, I think it's no doubter they're in the playoff.
1: And Caleb Williams looked like he's going to win the Heisman. Um, he should.
0: I mean, C.J. Stroud kind of um, took a fat shit on the field uh, against <laughs> Michigan. I mean, he
1: had three – I think he had three touchdowns, but like two picks, and uh,
0: he 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 looked like fat ass in the last part of that game. Yeah, he wasn't
1: very good. Yeah, one last one. Carson said, "How did the Huskies lose to ASU?" Also, is Kalen DeBoer the best coach in the Pac-12, or was Lake the worst coach ever? Maybe both.
0: Um, that uh, I would say I the, the, the loss to ASU. Michael, uh, my man, Phoenix, was not fully right in that game, uh, and their defense.
1: That was right after you bought the shirt, right? Yeah,
0: their defense was. Uh, <laughs> I think it's your fault. Their defense was at its worst in that game. Um, that was a big part of it. Um, but you know, uh, the, weird things can happen. I would say Washington is one that was. They, they were aided by a little bit of a weak schedule that helped Washington get to ten and two. But I think they also improved over the course of the year.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I would agree with you there. But that—that's a—that's a bizarre one. That was one that like there has been some. I think the the Florida loss really hurt the conference. The the Georgia Oregon not as much, but man, that ASU one. What what if Washington was one? You know, they would be in the championship game, right? Yep. And there would be two teams that haven't played yet, 11 and one teams playing each other, like even more. Like Washington could have a playoff. That that Arizona State game could have kept Washington out of the playoff, which is insane. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up. David. Uh, yeah, we'll try to do a quick show. I don't know if we'll do video. We'll figure it out what we can do this week, but we'll do like a preview show where we'll do our pick for the Pac-12 championship game. I did tabulate all of our um, picks for the season, our preseason picks. I think we did pretty good mm-hmm. on a bunch of them, kind of low back and forth a little bit, but I counted like how many, what the, you know, if we said like one team was six and six, if they went six and six or five and seven, and then how many we got right. Sometimes you... You get a whole bunch wrong, but you get the number right, the total right. P- you know picks right and stuff. So I kind of figure all that. So we'll do an episode about that maybe sometime in the in December with uh, the Bulls and everything. So uh, all right, well that's going to wrap it up. That is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you for tuning in to this emergency edition of the podcast of Champions. David Shaw, Zionaire, sir, you served the conference well for a while. It's time to go. He brought Stanford football back <laughs> where it's supposed to be. Pre-Harbaugh days. That's exactly where they are. But thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. uh, And we will talk to you next time.